so glad you're here with us today. If you haven't been a part of this series for the last few weeks, we've been talking about things we don't want to carry into the second half of 2021. We started this right the Sunday after the 4th of July, and we've been talking about declaring war on procrastination, on anger, on out-of-control finances. And today we're going to talk about declaring war. The last installment in this series is probably the, the mother load of all things. That if we were going to declare war on anything, this would give us the biggest bang for the buck to get rid of, and that would be unforgiveness. I mean, we live in a fallen world where people say things and do things to us that are terribly hurtful. We live in a fallen world where people promise us things and they don't deliver. And if we don't, if we're not able to forgive that, many times that gets stuffed down inside of us and oh, it turns into bitterness and it just chews us up from the inside out. Now, look, I know as I even bring up this topic today that I don't know where everybody's coming from today. You may have had the best week. You may have had a blessed year. Everything's A-OK, going great. Or you might have just been through some of the stuff I'm talking about just yesterday or last week. You were treated terribly by a neighbor or by a family member, thrown under the bus. And now I'm talking about forgiveness fat chance. Well, if you're at that place, then this is the message for you because the Lord tells us clearly from his word, he sent his son into the world to forgive us all of our sins. And he doesn't expect us to be able to pass on all that love and forgiveness without his help. And the good news is not only does the Lord forgive us of our sins, but he also gives us the power to love and forgive people that don't deserve it. Amen. And today, you and I are going to hear about this. And I realize that if you've been mistreated for a long time by somebody, this is going to be hard to hear. But Jesus said these words that you're about to hear. And it's important that we get our hearts ready. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, when I talk about unforgiveness, I know that I'm talking about something that we all have to deal with at different times in our lives. Because we live in a fallen world. Lord, there are times when we hurt others and there's times when they when they hurt us there are times when we do things we should never have done there's times when do th people do things to us they shouldn't have done and there are times when we fail to follow through on a promise and there's other times when people let us down completely and father talking about forgiveness is just hard sometimes so lord you know how broken we are you know how much we've been hurt you know every careless word that we've said and every evil word that's been said to us. And so we just lay out our hearts before you now and say, God, would you speak to us? And help us understand what unforgiveness means. And then would you give us the ability to forgive others the way we've been forgiven? We cannot do this without you. We can't. We're ready to hear what you have to say today, Lord. Move me out of the way and save whatever we need to know about forgiveness. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Point A on your outline is this. And for all of you joining us online, you can go to centeringlives.com. Under sermons there, you will find a place to click on for this morning's outline. But Jesus said that forgiving people who sin against us, it's not optional. It's not Hey, I'll forgive you, and if you want to forgive others, that's fine. Don't worry about it. 
That's not what he said. That's not what he said. In fact, Peter, one of the disciples, came to him one day and said and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Now, the current thought of the day by the rabbis was three strikes and you're out. Now, it wasn't based on baseball, but it was based on a bunch of other traditions. And they said, well, you forgive somebody three times, you've done a lot. Fourth time, you don't have to put up with it anymore and be done with it. And so Peter thought he was going way beyond that. If I forgive everybody seven times, he was trying to impress Jesus. Um, Jesus was not impressed. Anyway, no, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. And then he told them a story. And by the way, the 70 times seven wasn't, okay, 490 times on time 491, you can, you can forget about it. The, the point about it was this was going to be a number that was so high you, you really couldn't keep track. Jesus said, the way you need to think about it is like this story. The kingdom of heaven can be compared with a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with his servants who'd borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. In the days in which this story was recorded by Matthew, uh, there there was no bankruptcy protection If you owed somebody money and the creditor called the note and you couldn't pay, he had every right to sell your house, to sell your possessions, to sell you and your family into slavery, whatever it took uh, to get his money back. You could also be thrown into a debtor's prison where you're literally held in prison. And the idea was then that you'd be locked in there until your family member, somebody in your family came along and settled the debt on your behalf. And then they'd let you out. So understand that as we're going on. And this guy had run up millions of dollars. Apparently had stolen it or invested it foolishly, lost it all. There's no way he was going to pay it. And he couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold with his wife, his children, everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Even though this was a fantastic sum of money, he wasn't going to earn this in multiple lifetimes. Well, then his master was filled with pity on him, and he released him. He realized he'd never be able to pay it, and he forgave the debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. Not millions, just a couple of thousand. And he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. Well, his fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me, and I'll repay it. And he actually had a chance to do that. He pleaded, but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested, put in prison until all the debt could be paid in full. And when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. So they went to the king and they told him everything that had happened. Well, then the king called in the man that he'd forgiven. He said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he'd paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. This is Jesus. I mean, it's obvious that the man who owed millions of dollars didn't even understand what had been done for him. How could you receive all this mercy and grace and pass none of it along? And this wasn't the only place Jesus talked like this. Matthew 6, his disciples have asked him, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? 
because they loved the way Jesus prayed. And so he taught them a simple prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I mean, this is the exact same line, same thought as in the story we just read. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And then right after the prayer, Jesus gives a comment on one line out of that prayer. And it's the line we've been talking about. Forgiving people as we've been forgiven. He said this, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I mean, this is strong. Because Jesus wants us to understand that he came into the world to pay the penalty for every careless thought, every wicked word, every promise that we promised to fulfill and never got around to or mess it up royally, every lie we've ever told, every single thing that we shouldn't have done but we did anyway, Jesus died on the cross to pay all those penalty, pay the penalty for all those sins in full. If that's good news this morning, would you say amen? amen? Well, that's like the guy who owed millions of dollars. You and I have sinned against the Lord millions and millions of times. And Peter's coming in saying, I forgave a guy seven times. What do you think about that? Lord, this much? Peter, throw away the measuring stick. Do you not understand? I've come into the world to forgive you millions of sins, not seven. And it's really important we understand this. To worship the Lord is to acknowledge his magnificent grace and forgiveness toward us. And the Lord says, if you want to embrace that and receive it in full, you have to understand that no matter what other anybody's done to you, it's insignificant compared to all the sins you've committed against me. Now, I just want this to soak in for a while. This is hard teaching. Because like I said, when people have hurt us deeply, this is not easy to even comprehend. And the good news is we're going to spend the rest of this, our time together this morning talking about five things we can do to declare war on unforgiveness that will help us let go of things we've been unable to let go of before. And the Lord knows this, and that's why there's a lot of scripture about this, and I think you'll find a great deal of encouragement today. So let's go through this list here. First of all, if you and I want to declare war on unforgiveness, if we really want to forgive people, then, first of all, we need to ask God to show us any unforgiveness that's in our hearts. Sometimes there's unforgiveness in our hearts that we really haven't called it by name. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And by the way, not forgiving people offends him. This is deeply offensive to Jesus. I forgave you millions of sins and you won't forgive your neighbor, your brother, 
your cousin, your coworker. Hmm. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. The Lord will not only point it out if we ask him, he'll show us what to do about it. And so we need to spend some time and say, God, would you show me any areas of unforgiveness in my heart? Because, oh, if we have unforgiveness in our heart, that can get trapped in there and cause a lot of damage. If you take your outline and flip it over to the back, you'll see a couple of qu some questions for self-examination. Let me read a couple of these, and you'll see what it looks like. If we're going to pray about something, well, what kind of questions would we pray about? Is there anyone who has hurt me, betrayed me, disappointed me so deeply that I'm willing, unwilling to forgive him or her? I mean, you would honestly think about it and go, look, I understand about forgiveness, but not her. You have no idea what she did. I will never forgive him. Never. And if there's someone like that in your life, it may be even painful just to write down their name. What purpose does it serve to hold on to past offenses? How is holding on to past offenses affecting me on an emotional, physical, and spiritual level? Oh, this is important. Because when I take unforgiveness, if there is something that's been done to me or said about me or there's a deep hurt and I just stuff it down and stuff it down and stuff it down, well, there's another scripture in your outline if you flip back to that. It's from Hebrews 12, and we mentioned this in anger, and I want to mention it again. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Oh, man. Just because we haven't said anything, sometimes we have just stuffed it down, and it's just right there under our skin, and it be, it, that root of bitterness just grows in the dark. I... Um, I was reading an article preparing for this by a Christian counselor, and he said he believed that fully 50% of the people that come to see him with all kinds of different problems, the root of it was just unforgiveness. And once they were able to talk about something that had happened to them or said some hurt they'd experienced, somebody said or did or didn't do something, when they were able to forgive that person, everything in their life changed. You can find article after article online where forgiveness makes a big difference in blood pressure. It makes a big difference in all sorts of health problems physically. And we know this. And that's why it's so important to deal with this and to say, God, is there a part of my life that I am not willing to give over to you because this hurt me so much, I have just held it right here. I'm not letting anybody ever hurt me that way again, and I'm just going to hang on to this. It can turn into bitterness. There's a note there, it's often helpful to write down our thoughts as well as what God reveals to us in a journal. Oh, this is helpful. And we'll talk about, you know, talking to others about it, but what's really helpful is if before we even start talking to others, just even start writing our thoughts down. Because sometimes when we're hurt and we're angry and we're disappointed and all these things, our emotions, get, it all gets tangled up and we don't even know what we think. And God doesn't want us to live lives that are balled up in bitterness. So we can ask God to show us, hey, is there something going on in here? I mean, listen to a couple more of those questions. 
How is holding on to past effect, uh, offenses affecting important relationships in my life? I mean, we think we're holding this in and nobody even knows we're angry. Oh, yeah, they know. In fact, everybody in the family walks around on eggshells. Don't mention Uncle Joe. Don't mention last year. Whatever you do, don't do that. And now all of a sudden there's whole sections of our lives. Or, or anytime somebody's name get men- gets mentioned, now the whole weekend's shot. Now the whole evening's shot. Now dinner's ruined. And the devil loves if we stay there. And so this whole issue of forgiveness, to declare war and forgiveness, first of all, we say, Lord, would you show me? And you can use those questions and write them out later. Secondly, we can repent of our unwillingness to forgive and surrender all of our pain and sorrow and anger to God. Well, John, I wasn't the one who did this to me. What am I repenting for? Well, we're not repenting of what was done to you or what was said about you or how somebody didn't follow through. What I'm repenting of is, Lord, I've tried to handle this on my own and I've rehearsed it a million times in my mind and I've thought of what I'd do and I've thought about how I'm going to get even and I've, uh, I've just stewed on this. I'm repenting of that because the Lord says, hey, I want you to bring all this to me. I'm your Savior. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest for your souls. I'll take care of you. I love you. And not only do I forgive you, I'll heal you. And I'll show you what to do. If this is good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen. At the root of unforgiveness is pride. Somewhere on the line, I'm saying, Lord, I have to hang on to this. I have to. Me. And the Lord said, no, give it to me. So I'm repenting of hanging on to it, and then I'm surrendering it to him. Because listen to what it says in Ephesians 4.31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, and harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Well, if I'm going to get rid of it, where is it going to go? And sometimes when people come and see me and they're really angry and they're all balled up with unforgiveness, they're saying, I know, you're going to tell me just to forgive them and pretend it all never happened. I go, is that what you think the Bible says? And then I read them that verse. And I read them the next verse, 1 Peter 5, 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Well, are my worries and cares involve bitterness, rage, anger, and harsh words very often. I'm going to give all that to Jesus. I'm not going to stuff it down. And Jesus says, I want you to repent of, the, of trying to handle it yourself. I don't want you to handle it anymore. I'll help you. Could we read this verse out loud together, please? 1 Peter 5, 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. This time, instead of worries and cares, let's put the word anger in there. Give all your anger to God, for he cares about you. Now let's try bitterness. Give all your bitterness to God, for he cares about you. Peter wrote that. When Jesus had shown him Peter seven times, 
my forgiveness is millions of times. Peter also knew what it was like when the Holy Spirit came upon them and all of a sudden he empowered them to love people who were unlovely before, to forgive people they'd never been able to forgive. And he realized, oh, that's why we give it to God because not only does God take our problems, he gives us the power and the strength to change. Now look, in Romans 12 it says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I'll take revenge. I'll pay him back, says the Lord. And you go, John, why are you reading that? I'm reading that because if we give our problems to the Lord, again, one of the reasons we hang on to it, I have to hang on to it because otherwise everybody will just forget about it and the score will never be settled. And the Lord's going, wait a minute. I know the score better than you do. I was there when they said that. I was there when they didn't follow through with the promises. I know how badly that hurt you. I made them and I made you. And if if there's any score to be settled, I'll handle it. And so Paul says, just give it to the Lord. If there's any revenge that needs to be taken, if there's any punishment that needs to be meted out, he'll do it. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing this, you'll heap burning coals of shame on their heads. He said, you can let the Lord handle that. You can be free to love people. There's no way I can do that. There's even more good news. The Holy Spirit will give us the desire and the power to surrender and forgive. Not only did God send his son to die on the cross and pay the penalty for our sins, God sent us the Holy Spirit to live inside of us and change our desires from the inside out. Can I get an amen on that? I mean, Christianity is not this. Jesus saying, hey, I forgave you guys. Now you forgive others. Now, come on, put your back into it. Forgive them. If we'd have been able to do this on our own, we would have. We can't. That's why we give it to him. And then the Holy Spirit changes us from the inside out, and he gives us love for people we would never love because we're filled with God's love. And what he wants us to do is surrender it to me. Surrender it to me. I'll help you. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. This is the Apostle Paul, Galatians 5. And then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. What does my sinful nature crave? I want revenge. I want them to suffer the way they made me suffer. I want them to pay it back every last penny plus interest. I'm going to get even. And if that sounds horrible to you, that's not the righteous life that God wants us to have. And this is why it's so important to come to the Holy Spirit. He fills us with love and joy and peace. Not anger, revenge, and bitterness. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are just the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And this is why we surrender to the Holy Spirit every part of our lives. Hold nothing back. That's what we're asking God to search in us. Is there any part of my past, any offense, I'm unwilling to surrender to you because it was so painful, I just can't deal with it. Lord says, I don't want you to deal with it. Give it to me. I'll help you deal with it. So, we can ask God to show us what's going on. We can repent 
holding things on, trying to do it on our own and surrender it to him. Thirdly, we can talk to a trusted Christian friend, pastor or professional counselor. Sometimes we're going to need to have help with this because sometimes we may have stuffed things down so long we paved over it years ago. We don't even know what's chewing on us. We don't. I mean, that's the great thing about going to see a Christian counselor. They can untangle that big old ball of emotions. God's gifted them in that way. A trusted Christian friend can help you too. Or a pastor. I mean, it doesn't have to be a professional counselor. But the point is, this is what's going on. This is why we need each other in church. And it's so good that we're a part of a church. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, and unforgiveness is sin, if I'm overcome by unforgiveness, by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Proverbs 20, verse 5, the purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. Sometimes it's so deep in there that I am asking these questions and I go, I don't know what's going on. And then you go see a friend and they go, and all of a sudden you go, oh. Because God has given them insight that can help you. Or he may give you insight that can help someone else. Now remember, when Jesus told the story of the unmerciful servant and how wicked he was not to forgive, he wasn't saying, hey, I'm doing this just so when you forgive people, you don't ever deal with any of your problems. That's not it. Right before this story in Matthew 18, the paragraph right in front of that was a paragraph where Jesus said, hey, if another brother sins against you, go to him privately and show him his fault. Well, why would I go confront somebody if I'm forgiving them? Well, I forgive them. I'm just getting rid of all the bitterness, anger, and frustration so I can deal with the problem with all that, without all that baggage. I still deal with problems. I'm just not now dealing, it, dealing with it with a red-hot temper or out-of-control rage. Does this make sense to everyone? And that brings us to the next point. I put this in here, and I'll tell you why in a second. In some circumstances, we may even need to talk to legal authorities. The reason I put this in here is sometimes people think, again, wrongly, that when Christians say you need to forgive, that means we just pretend nothing happened, don't try to even deal with anything, it's just all gone. And a few years ago, when I really had a strong message on forgiveness, I got an email few years before that, I'd made a strong point about forgiveness. I got a similar email from people who watched online. They said, so in other words, even though I've been beaten black and blue by my husband, I'm just supposed to let him keep on turning me into a punching bag. Or even though I've been sexually abused, I'm not supposed to deal with anything about it because Christians just say, forgive it, and then that guy can just go on doing whatever he wants. No. That is not what the Bible says. In fact, Romans 13 says, the authorities are God's servants sent for your good, but if you're doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. Now, we live in a day where I need to address this. One out of every four girls by the time she's 18 has been either sexually addressed inappropriately or probably suffered abuse. The statistics are that high, one in four, one in 20 for boys. 
I'm not saying, hey, just forget it and then don't worry about it. I hope what you're hearing today is we take those things to the Lord, we get counsel, and if necessary, we talk to the authorities. We don't let predators run free. Do not hear that. But when we deal with things appropriately, we're not balled up in rage or fear. We're not handling things in the wrong way. And I want to make this very clear. We live in a time when we need to pray for each other and help each other and protect each other. Fourthly, you and I need to keep short accounts on new offenses. It's not only dealing with things from the past. Guys, we live in a fallen world where offenses are going to keep coming. If nobody offended you this week, well, it's a new week. <laughs> Hate to tell you this. We still live in a fallen world. We're not in heaven yet. In Alabama in the summer, nobody's thinking we're living in heaven yet. Okay, but anyway. <laughs> Fourthly, we can keep short accounts on these new offenses and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives the devil a strong foothold. This is what he wants. He wants us to stuff it down. He wants us to hold on to it and try to resolve it ourselves. He wants us to harbor bitterness because then he can keep us isolated from other Christians. He, we can keep a part of ourselves away from the Lord and not experience the love and joy and peace that the Holy Spirit gives. He wants us to do all of that. And Jesus says, come to me. Give it to me. I'll help you. I'll protect you. I love you. And then we can keep short accounts and we can go to people quickly before it turns into bitterness. This is important that we choose to forgive even people who may never apologize to us. This is important. Did Jesus do that? Oh, yeah. When they came to the place called the skull, they nailed Jesus to the cross, and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He was praying forgiveness for the people while they were nailing him to the cross. They were not apologizing. I can't get there. Neither can I. And that's why the fifth step is we pray. I mean, we pray. I can't do this without the Lord's help. I'm not suggesting you that we even try. I'm suggesting we pray. Well, what would we pray about? Well, first of all, if there's a difficult situation in our life, we may need to surrender to the Lord more than once. Remember what Jesus said about this in Luke 18? One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. Well, the judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, well, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy, and I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. The Lord said, well, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he'll grant them justice quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? I mean, when I've got a difficult relationship with a relative, that's probably going to take prayer more than once. 
I may have to surrender that every day. I may have to surrender it multiple times a day, maybe with someone at work, maybe with someone in my neighborhood. I don't know. But Jesus says, keep praying, keep surrendering it. How do we know when we've prayed enough? When the peace comes. This is a spiritual battle. And as long as we're this side of eternity, we're going to need to keep praying about things. And when we realize, hey, I'm holding on to something, Lord, would you show me what that is? Would you show me why I'm feeling that way? If necessary, Lord, would you show me somebody I can talk to about this? Would you show me how to address this? Would you grant me favor when I go talk to them? I want to reconcile this. And even if they won't be reconciled, Lord, can I give this to you? I don't think they know what they're doing. I don't know what's driving this, but I don't know how to fix it. Lord, I'm going to hand it to you. I don't want to be balled up with rage. Now, it's important. Last thing I'll say today, forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. If we wait till we feel like it, that's like waiting to have kids till you could pay for them. Don't ever do that. You'll be a thousand years old. If you wait till you feel like forgiving everybody you need to forgive, uh, no, this is a choice. To you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who hurt you. Someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid, and then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you'll truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he's kind to those who are both unthank who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. And guys, we can't do that without the Lord's help. Will you pray with me? Lord, I, I can't do any of this without your help. Lord, would, first of all, would you show me any areas in my life where there's unforgiveness? I don't want to be like that unmerciful servant. I know you've forgiven me. And Lord, I believe that. But Lord, well, God, I just need your help. Because there's some people in my life that are terribly hard to love. And I'm really angry. Lord, will you show me somebody I can talk to about this, a trusted Christian friend, a confidant? I'd like some good advice so I handle this correctly. I want to let go of this. God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Lord, I want to surrender the, this anger to you, this bitterness to you, this rage to you, whatever it is this deep hurt, I just surrender to you now. And God, you've got to give me the strength to go forward. Well, Father, we pray that you'd give us love for people who've been very unlovely and may even, we may still be in a relationship with them and they're still mistreating us. Would you give us love even for them? Well, you, you love the people nailing you to the cross. I can't do that. Would you give me that kind of love? Oh Lord, would you remind me to pray about this often? 
I don't know why I'm trying to do this on my own. I need you. I love you. God, I don't want you just for heaven someday. I want you in my life every part of this day. We pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.